Okay, so let's start. We're going to start off with the beginning of the parasha, Balak. <clears throat> this class should be for the Fuashama Haya Sarah Batsimcha, Zat Hashem. Amen. Quickly. Okay, so our parasha is parasha Balak. Now, I just want to give you a quick introduction about this parasha. Really, this parasha is really different than the other parashiyot in the Torah. Usually, all the parashiyot, the main character in the parasha, or the story, is all about us. Right? It's about Abraham, it's about Yitzchak, it's about Noah, Yaakov, the Shabbatim. However, this parasha, it's about the other side, the bad side, Balak. And Bil'am. So really this parasha is really different than all the other parashiyot. Now, so important is this parasha that the rabbis in the Gemara really wanted to make it that we say it in the tefillah every single day. The same way we say the whole Shema, the rabbis wanted to say the whole entire Balak, the whole entire parasha every single day. However, because again, it takes up, it's a long parasha because of Torah Sibur, because it was too, would be too tedious on the people. So therefore, we did not include it in the tefillah. Now, why was this parasha um, chosen that the rabbis wanted to put it in the prayers? Is because this parasha shows us that Hashem loves us so much, and there's many things that Hashem does that we don't know about. Right, if the Torah did not write this story about Balak and Bil'am, there was no Jews present there to record the story. Right, we would never have known. So too, Hashem throws out all the bad plans that the Goyim have, and there's so many times we don't even know that we're they're trying to hurt us, and Hashem saves us without us even knowing. So this parasha really um, shows us the future. It shows us that in the future, there's going to be many times people are going to, um, there's going to be many goyim that are going to try to destroy us, and we don't even know about it, and Hashem um, destroys their plans. Also, this parasha has in it, I don't know if we're going to get this far to the end of the parasha, but it actually has in it the prophecy of the Mashiach coming, which is a very, very big prophecy which was given by Bil'am, the end of the parasha. And the Rambam writes this as the source, one of the sources of Mashiach. So again, this parasha is a very important parasha. Okay, so let's start. The first pasuk. Vayar balak ben sipor et kol asher asai So now, in the previous parasha, we just ended off that B'nai Yisrael wiped the floors with two very powerful nations, Sichon and Og, Melech Abashan, right? In the previous parasha, the Jews totally wiped them out. So now, Balak, the Pasuk says as follows, Vayar Balak ben Sipor, so Balak ben Sipor was the name of this king. It He saw what the Jews did to Sichon and Og. Um, again, now Sichon and Og, we're going to see, were the two nations that were 
there were Jews that that um, Moab, who Balak was the king of, hired actually these two nations because they bordered Moab. He hired them to always be protect Moab. So he would pay them a lot of money to be their fortress, so to speak. And the Jews just came in and wiped them clean. So now, now Moab were, became very, very frightened and afraid in front of Bnei Israel. Kiravu, because they were very great, they were very powerful. Vayakos Moab and Moab became disgusted with Bnei Israel, meaning they were so frightened. So they were, so to speak, disgusted with them, like they were disgusted. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Next pasuk. So now Moab tells the Zikne Midjan. Now Midjan is a different country than Moab. So Rashi asks, why would Moab approach the elders of Midjan for advice about what to do with an Aesel? Number one, that she points out that Midian was actually um, Midian was actually very always constantly in war with Moab. They constantly always had battles with each other. So why would Moab approach their enemy about Bnei Sale to seek advice? So Rashi points out that because they were so scared of Bnei Sale. So to speak, they came together in peace, right? We find this similar when it says by the, when we left Egypt. So when Moshe announced to the country that there's going to be a play called Makapechorot and all the firstborns are going to die, the firstborn started to fight against Mitzrayim. And they went to war against Mitzrayim. And then when they realized that the Jews were going to leave, they all be, they, they made peace with each other and said, let's just go kill the Jews. So some very similar thing here. Moab and Midian were always fighting with each other. But when it came to the Jews, they made peace to try to destroy us. Now, why, again, what, what, why specifically Midian? Why was Midian chosen to so that Moab would seek advice from? Again, they, even though, okay, very nice. They made peace, but they could have... Um, have sought out advice from really any <clears throat> from really any nation. Why specifically Midian? So Rashi points out that Moshe Rabbeinu, they realized that Bnei Israel's winnings, when they won wars, they were winning so powerfully and so fast and so rapidly, it was not normal. It was almost, it was unnatural the way they were wiping away the enemies. So Moab said, sorry, Moab said, they're not winning the regular battlefield, the way, regular way that, that a normal warfare is fought. Now, must be it's something in their leader. Now, they knew that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu took Bnei Yisrael out of Egypt when he was 80 years old. But from when he was 13, he ran away to actually to the, to the country of Midian. And that's actually where he married his wife, Sipora, from. They said, so they approached Midian because they knew that Midian would know about Moshe, of what, what's so special about this man, what's so special about this nation. Because Moshe actually grew up and he was actually famous 
and Midian. So therefore, they approached Midian, even though again they were the enemy, they were, even though they were enemies. But again, because they were scared of Israel, they 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 came together and they approached specifically Midian because it was Midian that knew about Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, what did what did Moab, what did Midian tell Moab about Moshe Rabbeinu? So they said that you know where the power comes from. B'nai Yisrael's power is not from their physical strength, but rather from their mouth, meaning they have their prayer, meaning they're so powerful when they pray to their God, Hashem answers their prayers, and it, they're able to, to destroy nations. So therefore, Moab came up with a plan. Okay, they use their mouth. We'll fight their warfare against them. We'll hire someone that also fights with his mouth. And we're going to see that is going to be Bil'am. Okay. So that's, that's so again, let's, let's restart the Pasuk Dalit. So Moab tells the elders of Midian, we, Now we see that the Jews, this nation, is devouring all the surrounding nations like an ox devours all the vegetation. Now, again, this is a very strange way of saying it. Why are we comparing the Jews to an ox? So Rashi eating the, the vegetation. So Rashi points out that an ox, the way he eats the grass, he doesn't just eat the top layer like a deer would or like other animals would. An ox, when it eats, it rips out the actual roots of the grass when it eats. So the um, so the Pasuk, so Bil'a, um, Balak is telling the, the people of Midian that these Jews, they're not only are they winning, but they're actually uprooting them. They're not only you know destroying the nations, they're totally demolishing them like an ox totally rips out the roots from the vegetation around it. So too, Bnei Yisrael is doing the same thing. And Balak was the king of Moab at the time. Now she points out that really, he wasn't really fit to be a king. right? He wasn't really fit to be a kingship. Rather, he was actually one of the ministers of Midian, of their rival country. However, they put him up as king because of the dire situation that they were in to try to destroy B'nai Yisrael. Okay, B'zat Hashem, again, it's a very interesting parasha. B'zat Hashem, tomorrow, hopefully there will be another class. And B'zat Hashem, this should be a refuah shlema for Haya Sarah Bat Simcha. We're back to continue these very important shi'urim for the refuah shlema of Haya Sarah Bat I wasn't playing hooky. We had a couple of uh, Shiva Berachot, some weddings. It was for good reason. I did leave the Shiva Berachot early tonight in order to get back into the uh, to the swing. Now, last night we had a guest uh, host, my son-in-law, Abe Kassin. I'm just trying to find out where he got until. Anybody know where he got until? 
I don't know, but he did a great job. He definitely did a great job. The, the feedback was very good, Baruch Hashem. Okay, so let's go to... Um, we'll go to Pasuk Tet, Pasuk 9. But yeah, obviously, you know what's going on over here. This uh, Balak is the king of uh, Moab, and he wants to attack the Jewish people, not in a conventional way. He's going to hire Bil'am, and he's going to tell Bil'am, uh, offer him a lot of money, and Bil'am had a power of curse, and he'll uh, commission him to come curse the Jewish people. So Bil'am responds to uh, the people of Moab, the emissaries, I have to wait for permission. I'd have to get clearance from God. If God lets me go, then I'll go. So stay overnight. And whatever Hashem tells me the next morning, uh, I'll report back to you. So, so God comes to Bil'am. He tells him, Who are these people that are with you? Now, that's a trick question. Because God definitely knows everything. He knows who's, who's who and who's with them and who showed up. So what is he asking? Who are these people that are with you? So he was trying to trick Bil'am into thinking that as if to say God has blind spots, as if God doesn't know everything. And therefore, uh, he'll think, Bil'am, that just like he doesn't know this, I can trick God into cursing uh, his people. Uh, so Bil'am God, Balak ben Sipor, Melech Moab, Shalach Eli. Alak, the king of Sipor, uh, even though uh, I am not, maybe Bil'am is telling God, even though I'm not important in your eyes, but I'm important in the eyes of uh, the king, Balak. Behold, the nation that has come out of Mitzrayim, they're so plentiful that they're covering uh, the eye of the land. And Ata. Uh, he has asked me to come and curse the nation. And maybe after they get cursed, I'll be able to fight them, get a Steve and drive them away. And that says that there's different words for curses. Kabali, that she says, um, there's a, a word that's in, 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 in Hebrew. A cursing that's called like an arud or an ara, and um, this is even worse. The word kabali, where you we where you specify the curse in a clear in a clear manner. We get a shtiv that she says that the intention of Balak was not to only drive away Bnei Israel from the land, but actually min haolam drive them away from the world. <clears throat> now Balak actually said you know I just want to get rid of them from the land however uh, Bil'am was an even bigger anti-Semite than Balak was and he said not only do I want to get rid of them from the land but I want to get rid of them you know uh, completely that's why she's Bil'am Bil'am was a bigger anti-Semite than uh, Balak himself. <clears throat> so, now, God cannot be more clearer to Bil'am in his response. Bil'am's question is, do I go and curse or do I not go? So 
God says in the clearest of words, Lo telech imahem. There's no way to misinterpret this. You shall not go with them. Lo ta'or etaam. Do not curse the people. Ki baruchu. Because they are blessed. Now, there's some missing words here in the conversation between God and Bil'am that the Rashi fills in. When God said to Bil'am, do not go with them, Rashi says, fine, don't go. But Bil'am says, so maybe I'll curse them from here. Meaning, don't go, but curse them from my place. So God said, no, do not curse them at all. Not from there and not from here. So then Bil'am said, fine, let me bless them. And God says, we do not, you, we do not need you to bless them. They're blessed even without you. And Rashi brings the famous adage that is said, The uh, the 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 hornet tells the uh, the bee, "I don't want from your honey, and I don't want from your sting," as if to say, "Don't do me any favors. I don't want your curses, and I don't want your your blessings." Lo not from your honey, and not from your sting. Now, question over here, obviously, is, I mean, now that I'm I'm, I'm thinking about it, why would Bilam want to bless the people. I mean, Bilam told God, let me go curse them. No, you can't go. Fine, I won't go. Let me curse them from here. No, you can't curse them at all. Fine, let me bless them. And then God says, no, they don't need your blessing either. Now, why, why would Bilam uh, want, to, want to bless? Unless, unless we say like this, that Bilam's intention was to say uh, blessings, but his thoughts are going to be that the meanings of those words will be curses. Uh, so therefore, it's like you could say it sarcastically. And therefore, he'll say, you know, you, you should have, uh, you know, uh, whatever. And in his mind, he's interpreting it in a, in a negative way. So therefore, God says, I don't want your blessings either because even the blessings of Bil'am are curses. So now Bil'am has to report back to the people to tell them what God said. So he gets up in the morning. Bil'am. So he tells the people of Balak, Go home. God refuses to allow me to go with you. Now, listen to how Bil'am, who's such an anti-Semite, hears what he wants to hear. When God said, do not go with them, we understand it to mean, don't go. He understands with them because they're not respectful enough for you. It's a lower level uh, uh, emissary. Let them send you more important, uh, you know, uh, uh, entourage, and maybe we'll consider it. As if it Bil'am understands that God is negotiating for Bil'am. Don't go with these guys. They're, they're not respectful that they should send you such a low-level uh, uh, emissary. Therefore, Bil'am says, God refuses to allow me to go with you. 
From here, as she says, you see that uh, Bil'am was uh, very high-spirited. And he had a, a ga'ava. Now, instead of, instead of telling uh, the people the truth that I can't go, he said, I can't go with you. So, Bayakum Sarem Mu'ab, the Sarem Mu'ab leave, Bayavu El Balak, they go back to Balak. Bayomiru, and they report back to him and they say, Me'en Bil'am Haloch Imanu, that indeed uh, Bil'am uh, refuses uh, to come with us. Bayosef Od Balak, so Balak persists. Shalawah Sarim Rabim Bilikbadim so he sends even higher ranking than the first ones. Take two. They come to Bilam. So says whatever we promised you in the past we're going to give you even more we will honor you very much. Me'od, meaning a lot. Bechol asher tomar elai, I say, whatever you ask, we will do. Ulchana kabali, please come and curse at the amazeh. Bayaan bil'am, so bil'am again answers. Bayomir and abdeh balak, this is one of the classics in the whole perasha. Now, bil'am can tell them, listen, I can't go. God said, I can't go. Instead, he says, that even if you pay me a house filled with silver and gold, I cannot transgress the word of Hashem to do something small or big without his permission. Now, where did he get that price from? Who offered him a house full of silver and gold? What kind of price is that? He should say, I can't go. So that she says, from here you see, he was setting a price. He was saying that this is what it's worth. But even if you would pay me what it's worth, I can't go unless I get uh, permission. And why was he saying it's worth so much? So listen to the way he calculates. He said, listen, there's two ways you can beat B'nai Israel. One way is you hire me, one guy, and I'll take care of it. Otherwise, you're going to have to hire mercenaries, soldiers. You're going to have to get an army. And you're going to have to pay the army. You're going to have to pay for their lodging. You're going to have to pay for their food. You're going to have to pay for their ammunition. And it's going to be a sustained event. So it's going to be very expensive. So whatever you're going to pay the army, you pay me. And therefore, it's going to cost you, like they say in the vernacular, an arm and a leg to pay for an army. So pay me the arm and a leg. So you see how um, he had a um, a very um, what should we say greedy soul. Uh, Bilam had 
and obviously he coveted the property of others, Rashi says. And he says, and even if you hire another army, it's not guaranteed that they're going to win. So you're taking your money and you're making a bet, 50-50. You put your money with me, I'm definitely going to win. So therefore, he, uh, he put a price there. But then he says, but I cannot go against uh, what God tells me. And as she says, uh, he told them that against his will. That's against his will, he told them, because he doesn't want to admit that. And what he really was saying is, it's not going to be easy for me to nullify the blessings that God has already given Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. One more pasuk. And now, Stay over here, you too as well. Halayla tonight, and I will know overnight what God is going to tell me. That as she says over here, when he said, stay overnight, you also. So that she says that God put that in his mouth to say, you also will get the same answer that I get the other ones. Just like I told the other ones I can't go, I'm coming back with a negative answer as well. She says, And um, sure enough, uh, that he asks, he tells them, let's see what God is going to uh, add in speaking to me. Now, what, what can he add? So that she says, He's not going to tell me that I can curse. Which means, uh, as she says, over here, had a prophecy that ultimately he said that let's see what God's going to add. The day before, God told him, I don't want you to bless. Now what's going to end up happening is he's going to end up blessing. But it's not going to be blessings with bad kavanah. It's going to be blessings actually with a good kavanah. So therefore, he already uh, came out of his mouth. There's going to be an addition, additional commandment that did not come until that point. Until that point, God said, not from your honey and not from your sting. But ultimately what's going to happen is Bilam is going to end up giving us the most Beautiful blessings. He prophesied that ultimately berachot are going to come through him. Okay, beautiful. Right, which means they explained it that that it, it, what Bilam was worried about is I'm worried that God might add and say, not only am I not going to let you bless them and curse them, but I'm doubling down on my blessing to the people. As it only cause God to give a second blessing. He says, I hope that, and that's exactly what ended up happening. That God through Bil'am ended up adding my Yosef to the blessings that B'nai Israel already had. Okay, Rabotai, there you have it. I'm back in the swing. A little rusty. I haven't done this for a couple of nights, but Baruch Hashem, Shemit Fidifuah, Aya Sarah, but some and we wish all our members 
Laila Tov, Yirbu Semachot Bistael. We're continuing uh, Parashat Pinahas. And we are uh, right in the middle of the census. We do these classes for the Rashlama Hayasara Batsamcha. El Narefanala. The Toshar Hola Amo Israel. Amen. We're getting to the Pesukim here. Let's see where we left off. We are going tonight Perech Avav chapter 26 and we're going to start uh, Pasuk 15 Bene Gad okay family of God Lemishpechotam for their families are Sephon Sephon Mishpachat HaSephoni of course you the last night the He and the Yud that's the OU that's the Kashrut symbol that the families did not assimilate Lehagi Mishpachat HaHagi Leshuni mishpachat hashuni, leozni mishpachat haozni. Now that she says that actually the ozni family is referred to in a different place as itzbon. Uh, itzbon is the same family as ozni that she says he doesn't know why. Over here, the Torah changes its name. Originally, when we learned it in the earlier parashiyot. They were referred to as Sbon. Now they're referred to as Oti. I saw that the Kadosh says something beautiful. That the Gemara says in Kitubot on the Afher that what's the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu made the finger, the Etzba, in the shape of like it's rounded at the end. And it's the shape like this. So the Gemara says, because if a person hears Lashonara, He's able to fit his finger into his ear. The finger, the the uh, the, the finger fits perfectly in the ear. Hashem made it. Ear is plugged up by the finger, so therefore you don't have to hear lashonara. So therefore, the Shlakador says, Ozni, which is the name of the family over here. Ozni comes from the word ozen, and then it says that they used to call them etzbon. Etzbon is from the lashon etzba. So it's giving us a remiss that the way a person controls his ear is through the etzba, through the etzbon. And then I saw, based on this, a beautiful interpretation because uh, most, when a person sins, where does the sin come from? It's because he listened to the yetzerara. He let the yetzerara penetrate his ears. When the yetzerara comes to tell you to do something, just close your Take it out of here. Leave me alone. I'm not listening to you. So every sin is because you didn't put your finger and close your ears from the either the yetzerara or the outside influences. So in the olden days, they would have to bring a korban, a sacrifice. And what would the Kohen do? We'd have to sprinkle the blood of the korban on the mizbeah. Now, how would he sprinkle the blood? It says, be'etzba'o. He would take his finger and dip it into the blood and sprinkle. So I saw from the rabbi called Meir and Nehachamim, why the finger? Is it because the source of all sin is because you didn't put your finger in your ear? You didn't close your ears. Uh, you didn't follow the advice of the Shlach Kadosh and the Gemara Ketubot. Le'etzbon, the family of Etzbon is the family of Ozni. That the way you make the Tikkun of the Ozin is in order to take the Etzbon. A beautiful, beautiful interpretation. Okay, we continue. Uh, Le Arod to the family of Arod, Mishpata Arodi, 
This is the family of God. That's 40,000. Now, this story we know. Yehuda had Erve Onan. Now, we learned earlier this uh, season about Erve Onan. They died. He had other children, Yehuda, the Shela, the Sparta Shelani, the Feretz, the Sparta Parzi. That's actually the family of Mashiach. Lezerah, Mishpachat, Hazarhi. By you, Beneferes, the children of Peret, Etzron. Mishpachat, Etzroni, Lechamul, Mishpachat, Hechamuli. El de Mishpot, Yehuda, Lefkudem. How many people were in Yehuda's tribe? Shisha, Veshivim, Elif. That's 76,000, Vahamish, Meot, and 500. Bene Yisachat. Now we get to the family of Yisachar. Lemishpechotam to their families. First, you had Tola. That's one of his children. Mishpachat had Tola'i. Lefuva. Mishpachat Hapuni. Leyashuv. Mishpachat Hayashuvi. Now, one of the children of, uh, of Yisachar was Yashuv. Now, she says, Hu Yob. He was also known earlier as Yob. Now, when they went down to Mitzrayim, Yisachar had a son called Yob. Now, he's not called Yob anymore. Now he's called Yashuv. What happened? Why did they change his name? So it says, um, the reason that they changed his name is it says from Rabbi Moshe Darshan, Shiyarda Imam de Mitzrayim, Kishaita Meoberet Mehem. She was pregnant with them, with these kids. Lekach Nehdeku de Mishpechotam, Kehesron Behamun, Shayu Benebanim de Yuda, Behaber Malkie, Shayu Benim, let me just see over here where he says. So he's not explaining. What happened? They added an extra sheen to his name. So he went from becoming Yob to becoming Yashuv. And that she doesn't really tell us exactly why they added a sheen to his name, but it's the same, it's the same guy. So now very good. Very good. Just one second. Next one. So we saw the Yisachar family had 64,300. If you want to know, this morning we said over a Hiddush from the Orachim HaKadosh regarding the family of Yisachar. Yisachar was the family of Torah. That's the family that studies Torah. And that's why Yisachar stands for Yesachar. They get reward. Because the main reward is not the physical reward that a person gets in this world for making money and uh, you know getting physical things. The main reward a person should anticipate is the reward for learning Torah. That's why his name is Yesachar. He has reward, meaning he has the real reward. Furthermore, the Gemara says that the tzaddikim that study Torah, God will reward them 
in Olam Abba, 310 worlds. It's called Shai Olamot, the 310 worlds. So therefore, Yisachar is Yesh Sachar. Yesh is Yudshin, which is 310. Yesh Sachar, they're going to benefit the 310 worlds. And the Hachamim tell us that one of the things that uh, the people that Torah, they're protected from judgment. And the rabbi, says that judgment in Hebrew is called Deen. Now, Deen is uh, 64, Dalid, Yud, and Nun. And that's why there were 64,000 uh, uh, people in the tribe. But he says, what do you mean? 64,000 is not a good number. That represents Deen. But if you look at the Pasuk, it says, he says, it's like saying 64 plus one, plus an elef, plus one, so it's 65. And 65 is the numerical value of God's name, Adanut, Aleph, Yud, that the tribe that learns Torah turns Midat Adin into Midat Rahamim, into the Midat of mercy. Bene Zebulun, the Mishpahotam, the Sered, Mishpahta Sardi, that's like Sardar we have today. The Elon, Mishpahta Eloni, this is the family of Zebuloni, Lefkudehem, Shishim Elef, Machamesh, Meot. That's 60,500. I don't know if you noticed over here. Here we have an exception. Not only is the letters He and Yud written next to every family member, but the tribe also, it says, Ele Mishpehot Hazebuloni. I didn't do that before. When it came to the other tribes, it said, for example, we just read Yisachar. But here when it comes to Zibulun, it doesn't say it says Why does it put the extra standard of Kashrut on the name of the tribe itself? Because we learned last, last night that the He Yud prefix and suffix represents that God is testifying that these families are pure and there's no assimilation and there's no uh, blood from the foreign nation. So why would God not only put it in the families of Zebulun, but in the actual name of the tribe? And the rabbis answer, because what was Zebulun's business? They were travelers. And therefore, they go overseas. They leave their wives for a long time. So nobody should think that when they traveled, that Hadva Shalom, they were tainted and they had compromise in their families. So it says, had zibudoni, that even though they traveled, even though they went away, they were still pure, and the children that came from them were still only from the Jewish wives, and they had proper lineage. Now we get to Bnei Yosef. It's a good name for a shul also. Bnei Yosef, lemishpechotam, menashe ve'efraim, as we know. Bnei menashe lemachir, mishpata machiri. Now machir had gilad, gilad, has Mishpata Giladi. Ele Bene Gilad, I Ezer, Mishpat Ha I Ezri, the Helek Mishpat Ha Helki, the Asli El, Mishpat Ha Asli Eli, the Sheikh Mishpata Shikmi, Ushmida, Mishpata Shemidai, the Hefer, Mishpata Hefri, Uslofhad Ben Hefer. Now, when it came to this fellow that's from the tribe of Minash, from the tribe of Minashe, there was a guy called Slofhad. He did not have any boys. He only had daughters. 
בשם בנות של אופחד, the daughters' names were מחלה, נועה, חוגלה, מלכה ותמצא. Five daughters. אל משפחות מנשה, these are the families of מנשה, how many people do they have in the tribe? שיניים וחמישים אלף, 52,700. Now we finish up. אלה בני אפרים, these are the families of אפרים, למשפחותם. לשותלח, משפחת השותלחי, בכר, משפחת הבכרי, לטחן, משפחת הטחני, אלה בני שותלח, now the children of שותלח, לעירן, משפחת העירני, you have the Iranian family, that's what you have it over here, משפחת העירני, אלה משפחותם, בני אפרים, משפחותיהם, how many people did אפרים have? 32,500. now, that she says over here, that uh, she just gives you a subtotal. Altogether in this perasha, you'll find 57 families altogether from all the tribes and eight families from Levi. Altogether, 65 families in the Jewish people. And that's why it says in the Pasuk that God says, Ki haba'at. You are the smallest of the nations. What is Hame'at? Hame'at. Hamesh atem hasirim v'mishmot kol ha'amim. Which means, how many nations did the Goyim have? 70 families. We must 70 nations. And we are 75. So God says, Hame'at. You are five. Hame'at. You are five less than the Goyim. They're made up of 70 nations. And we have Goyim. No, we have 65 families, and the Guim have 70 altogether. So God says, Hame'at, Hame'at, you are five less than the regular, than the nations of the world. That's from Rebbe Moshe, Adarshan. Okay. Bene Benyamin, also a good name for a shul. Le Mishpechotab, Le Bela, Bela. Today, Bela is a lady's name. But in those days, Bela was a man's name. Mishpachat, Habbal'i. That's a tongue twister. Bela had children. Ard, Ardi, people that Benjamin have. One of the biggest tribes, Hamisha, not so much, 45,600. Now, this is a big tribe. Um, it says over here, Rashid just says that this family called Shifufam in uh, Bereshit, they called them Mupim. But they changed them from Mupim, and here they're calling them Shifufam. Change of name. I don't know why they changed his name, but they went from uh, uh, Mupim to Shifufam. Okay, now we get to Ele ben Edan. This is the people of Dan. The Mishperotam, the Shuham. Shuham actually is Hoshim. Now, this is a very important man, this guy called Shuham. It's the same letters as Hoshim. We know that he was, he was handicapped. He was deaf. Yaakov Abinu had a special grandson. Mishperot Shuham, and he's the one that actually killed Esav, if you remember. Ele Mishperot Dan, the Mishperotam. Now, even though he only had one child, Dan only has one child. And it was a deaf child. Now look how many people this tribe ends up having. 
64,400. That's one of the biggest tribes. What do you learn from this? You can't figure where the Barakah is going to come from. You would have said, poor Dan, he only has one special kid, deaf. He ends up coming from that one child. It multiplied to become one of the biggest tribes. So, you know, sometimes the blessing comes in strange uh, disguise. B'nai Asher, li'yimna mishpata yimna, li'yishvi mishpata yishvi, li'bri'a mishpata bri'i, li'bnei bri'a le'chebe mishpata ha'chebri, li'malki'el, mishpata malki'eli, and now uh, the daughter of Asher, her name was Sarah. Now we know Sarah, but Asher is the one that gave the, exactly, the news to Yaakov Abinu that, um, that Yosef was still alive, and she was still alive, by the way. I mean, she lived all the way from Book of Bereshit. This, no. this is all the way now after the Jews came out of Mitzrayim, 40 years in the Midbar. So she lived a very long uh, uh, time. Fine. She had extraordinary longevity. And uh, that's the tribe of Asher. How many people in Asher? Uh, not so much. Hamishim Elef. Oh, 53,400. Last tribe. That's the Goonies. We have a guy in the but this is a How many people? So that's 45,000. 400. How many people all together in B'nai Israel? 601,000 not including tax. So you have 601,730. Okay, there goes the census. And B'nai Israel, we got one more night. Just tomorrow night, we'll go into the next episode of the daughters of Selofhad and the division of all right, so we're continuing the parasha. We're learning for We're in Balak. <coughs> and we are up to let's see or half us. At the Shilishi, so it's Perek Perekha So Bilam wakes up in the morning. He saddles his donkey. And you see over here that uh, when a person has hatred, so it causes him to do things that are. Um, you know, normal behavior. It's not normal behavior for a respectable man like Bilam to saddle his own donkey. <clears throat> but sometimes when a person is driven by hatred, so uh, it causes him to do things out of the protocol. So that's what the person says, The Gemara says, ba'atzmo. And the Gemara comes along and says that God told uh, 
God told Bilam, Amara Kadosh Barhu Rasha, Kevar Kadamcha Abraham Abihim. That you think that you're the first one uh, to come along and saddle his own donkey? Abraham Abinu did it first. He also got up. Abraham also uh, saddled his donkey. Now, I never understood this Rashi. What does it mean? Bil'am, you're a Rasha. Abraham beat you to it. What does Abraham have to do with Bil'am? Abraham was going to do the Akhidat Yitzhak. And it says he woke up early and saddled his own donkey. So why should that neutralize what Bilam's doing? What, what was that the connection? Two totally different people <clears throat> doing totally different things. So what does God say that you think to get up early and saddle your own donkey in order to uh, to kill the Jewish people? Abraham Abinu did it already. So I saw a beautiful explanation that Abraham and Bilam both got up early in the morning and saddled their donkey for the same thing, to destroy Klal Israel. Because if you think about it, what was Abraham doing? Abraham was going to kill Yitzhak. And if he kills Yitzhak, there goes Klal Israel. So therefore, what God was saying, Rasha, already Abraham Abinu was Mosed Nefesh to kill Yitzhak on my word. And therefore, you're not going to have the ability to kill Klal Israel. Already the Zekut of Abraham that went and did that action, the Shem Shamayim, to get rid of Klai Yisrael by killing its by potentially killing its hog, that has preceded you. Both had the same the same uh, outcome. <clears throat> but I'm trying to destroy Bnei Israel, and Avraham Abinu did as well. Only difference was Avraham was commanded, and therefore God says to Bilam, "You think you're going to be able to uh, come along and?" Destroy Klaisel after Abraham Abinu did the Akedah, nothing doing. <clears throat> so the Pasuk comes along and says, uh, um, God saw that Bil'am uh, was going, you know, with a desire to curse, and therefore God was angry at him. And now we're going to start with the story of the uh, angel that's going to block uh, Bil'am. So God uh, positioned an angel to stand on the road. The satano. The satano means to be an impediment to him. And he's on his uh, donkey. He has his two people with him. Now, Rashi says, you can imagine, it's amazing, that <clears throat> this angel that came to stop a uh, uh, of Bil'am, that she calls him an angel of mercy because he's trying to stop Bil'am from making a sin. So therefore, even the worst Rasha like Bil'am, God gives him a chance before he before he punishes him. That's what that she says. <laughs> the angel was trying to uh, prevent Bil'am from sinning. So he shouldn't be a sinner and then perish. And the Pasuk says he had two ne'arim. He had two uh, lads with him, we'll call it. Two young men were with him. And as she says, That when a person is traveling, an important person gets 
should take two people uh, as an entourage. And then uh, they're able to serve each other. So they serve the, the man and they go serve each other. Now the Pasuk says, now the um, donkey sees the angel standing on the road. And the angel had a, a sword. And uh, she comes along and says <coughs> that Vatereha um, Aton Bil'am did not see. The angel, the donkey saw. Shenatana Kadosh Baruchu Neshuta Behemal Lerot Yotemena Adam. Angel, animals see more than humans can see. Why? Because if we would see what's really out there, we would go crazy. There's Shedim, there's Malachim, there's demons, there's spirits. and So Hamorim, Hamor anyway, so he doesn't know what he's looking at. But uh, for humans to be able to see all that's out there, <clears throat> so therefore they would um, they would be filled with uh, fear from seeing all these harmful spirits. Anyway, the angel had a sword, uh, in, in, you know, holding a sword. So that she says, Which means <clears throat> the uh at the the nature of Goyim when they go fight, they fight with the sword. That's Esav's blessing. They fight with the sword. How do the Jewish people fight? We fight with our mouths, we pray. So now Bil'am, conventional way that Goyim go to fight with a sword, and he used our way. So our tactics against us, using your mouth and dropping a sword. So God sent an angel with a sword uh, in front, and uh, God promised that Bil'am will eventually get killed by the sword, which he did. We're going to read um, we're going to read eventually later on in Perek Lamadala. Now the Pasuk says, um, so the, the donkey <coughs> turned away from the road and started to veer away into the field. And the Hadarich, Bil'am hit the donkey to turn it back onto the road. And all of a sudden, the donkey found himself in the, um, you know, in an area where there's um, vineyards. There was a fence on both sides. That she says that this fence was made out of stones. And all of a sudden, the aton, the donkey sees the malach, and the donkey now moves to the to the wall, to the to the stone wall, because it wants to get out of the way. And it starts to uh, press against the wall and press against Bil'am's leg. Uh, so he continues 
Tehillim. But Yosef Malak Hashem Abor, and the angel continued to uh, to pass in front of him. And that as she comes along and says that the angel appeared in front of the donkey three times. And the Midrash writes that he was giving him a, a, a siman to the avot of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov that you know, he, shouldn't, uh, he shouldn't go after the Jews. Anyway, he hit him a third time. Where the donkey was not able to move not to the right or to the left. It just crouched down beneath Bil'am. Bil'am got angry. And sure enough, he hit the, angel, he hit the donkey again. That's the third time. Now the Pasuk says, Now God opened the mouth of the donkey. So this is it, the talking donkey. Remember the, the talking horse? Then now you have uh, the, talking, uh, the talking donkey. So now what happens? The donkey turns to Bil'am. What did I do to you? That you hit me three times. Now the Torah uses the word Negalim over here. And as she points out, Ramzalo, he hinted to him. What do you think? You're going to go try to eliminate a, uh, a people, a nation that keeps the three holidays? So he's giving him Musab. So Bil'am tells the donkey, You are uh, mocking me, you're disgracing me. Uh, if I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you. Now, uh, the joke over here is, is look at the shame and embarrassment that Bil'am is uh, putting himself under. He's going to kill a whole nation and he can't even kill his own donkey. And she says, Bilam's going to kill the whole Jewish people without, without a bullet. He's going to use his mouth. Now what does he tell us, donkey? Are oh, you lucky? If I would have had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you. <clears throat> so the people saw that, how weak uh, Bilam actually was. So now, so now, the Aton answers Bil'am. Alo anuchi atonecha asher achapta alai. I am your uh, donkey that you have ridden upon from uh, from the beginning of your days. Mordecha de yomazeh. I scan his scanty lasot dechako. Have I ever been accustomed to do such a thing to you? I never did anything to you. Obviously, something's going on over here. Is this normal? I don't usually do this over here. Did I ever do this to you? So he answered him up. So Bil'am couldn't even answer his donkey. And all of a sudden, God uncovered Bil'am's eyes. And now he sees the Malach, the Harbosh Rufabiado with the sword. He bows them. The angel of God tells Bil'am, 
על מה הקיט את הטורנחה הזה שלוש לגלים? Why did you hit your donkey three times? הנה אנוכי יצאתי לשטן. I came down to impede him. כי ירדת הדרך לנגדי. Because he, um, he went on the road uh, against me. And as she says over here, רבותינו אחמי המשנה דרשון נוטריקון. ירת is for three, three words, יוד רשתת. יראה ראתה נטתה. That the angel, the donkey got scared. ראתה את צור, נטתה את veered away. Rabbi, what's the connection between the donkey talking and the snake talking? Because it's the only time we ever hear this no, happening. You, no, it's not. You'd be surprised. Uh, if you open up Perek Shira, for example, the ladies read, all the animals talk. All the animals uh, praise God in their own language. And uh, it's not the first time we've seen the Nebi'im uh, that uh, the Awanabi talked to the, uh, to, 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 to the sheep before he brought them up to... Uh, and Hara Kamel, they were talking to him, he talked about each one of these animals has an angel, so that Sadiq is able to connect to the origin of each item and communicate uh-huh. the powers of each, um, of each item. So in this case, yeah. over here, uh, Bil'am was really a miracle because the donkey just opened its mouth without being uh, provoked by, uh, by a prophet. And uh, all of a sudden, the angel comes along and says, Uh, when God opened his eyes and Balaam was able to see the angel and he saw the uh, sword that, that he had he bowed he bowed in front of him wow so now it says now it says over here uh, so the Malach comes along and says Why did you hit your donkey three times? I actually came down as an impediment uh, because he was hastening on the road against me. The lamb was coming on the road to make an avera. But the donkey saw me. And as a result, it moved away from me three times. Uh, had he not turned away, or had she not turned away the donkey, the female donkey, I would have, uh, I would have killed you as well and left her alive. So basically he's getting rebuked by the angel. It was a female donkey, female donkey. So he says, I would have killed you also. I would have killed you as well, Kilomad. Not only uh, would delay have been fallen on you because of me, but you would have been killed. For sure you would have been delayed because I stopped you, but I would have killed you also. And I would have kept her alive. Now uh, she says something amazing. Uh, but now, because it spoke the donkey, and rebuked you, you couldn't even answer the rebuke. Like it says, did I ever do anything to you? Did I ever harm you? And Bil'am said, no. So that's, he couldn't answer. So now, 
The angel at this point kills the donkey. Why would he kill the donkey? What did the donkey do? So nobody should say this is the donkey that was able to rebuke Bil'am and that Bil'am wasn't able to answer. What do you see again over here? God has mercy on the people. This is Bil'am, Rabotai. I would keep the donkey alive and let Bil'am get embarrassed. This is the donkey that uh, mouthed off against Bil'am. But Bil'am says, I don't want to embarrass anybody. And therefore, since the uh, donkey was smarter than Bil'am in this conversation, so we don't want people to say, oh, there's the donkey that uh, told off Bil'am. So therefore, the angel killed the donkey. So that's, uh, that's an amazing uh, law as well. And there's a similar law like that uh, in the Torah. Wait one second. It's talking about uh, a case over here where a person has relations with an animal. So it says that besides that you kill the person, you kill the animal also. Why? It wasn't the animal's fault. God doesn't want people to say, oh, that's the animal that had relations with so-and-so. So that, that would embarrass him. I would say the guy's an animal himself, so we should embarrass him. But what I said, no, he got his punishment, and therefore, so what do you see from here? If God has mercy on the uh, guy that commits speciality, and if God has mercy on Bil'am, that he killed the donkey because he didn't want the people to say, that's the donkey that rebuked uh, Bil'am. So all the more so how careful we have to be to have the, the utmost respect, to talk nice, and only praise of our... Uh... Yeah, we're going to get to that as well. But you see that God still on Bil'am by killing, the, uh, by killing the donkey. Okay. Now, tomorrow night is a special. Because we're going to start now with Bil'am's uh, curses turn into blessings. Anyway, we do this for the Fuash Shunema, Haya Sarah Bat Simcha, in the Nada, the Amos, and So we're uh, in the middle of Balak. <clears throat> we're learning for Haya Sarah Bat Simcha. So it's. Correct, Uriah Ben Baloria. Thank you. You have it. So now the Pasuk says, uh, let's see where we ended up uh, last night. Uh, we're going to start from Perek Chet Pasuk. Let's do Lamed Heh. Bayomen Malach Hashem et Bil'am. So the Malach tells Bil'am, Lech Imaim, go with the people. The Ephes, however, Whatever I speak to you, or to the bed. So therefore, God's telling him that um, by force you're going to have to speak what I tell you. So he went. And he says that when he went with Sare Balak, he went with the officers of Balak. He was happy. Israel as they were, which comes and tells me that um, he still intended to curse, even though God just told him that he can't. So talking about talk, talk about a guy that has a one track mind. <clears throat> so 
So Balak heard that <laughs> So he came to greet which is on the border of Arnon. So he went and he sent out actually that she says emissaries to and uh, he brought him to the city of uh, the, the country of Moab. So the person says, Why didn't you uh, why didn't you come sooner? Um, I think uh, I'm unable uh, to respect you properly. So he says, uh, listen, I was delayed. He tells Balak, I came. But I'm not able to speak anything. God puts it that's what I'm going to be able to um, to speak. So they got to a place called Kiryat Chutzot. It's a city filled with marketplaces, men and ladies and women and uh, children. And um, he saw them. And when he saw all the uh, marketplaces, he had mercy. Or actually, he had mercy on the Goim. Balak took him to a big like mall of all Goim shopping and everything, men, women, and children. And he was basically trying to tell Bilam, if you don't curse these Jewish people, they're going to come and destroy this beautiful, you know, shopping area. So uh, Bilam will have mercy and try to uh, curse the Jewish people before they come in and uh, attack. So the Pasuk says, by Yizbach Balak Bakar Batson, and Balak brought actually Kurbanot first. He brought a little, one, one, one uh, Bakar and one son. That's one, uh, you know, one head of cattle, one sheep. And then it says, it was the morning. He brought to a place called Bamot Baal to the top of the mountain. And they were able to have a view of part, part of the nation from there. Build for me seven altars. Everything's seven over here. Seven bulls, seven rams, seven altars. Balak does everything. They brought one part and one other. Bilam tells Balak, stand by your uh, by your korban, and I'm going to make my way. Maybe God will happen to me. And um, he will, uh, you know, show me something. And I will tell you, Shefi. Shefi means he went alone. Now, this is the daytime. So Bil'am says, God usually doesn't talk to me during the day. God only usually refer, talks to Bil'am at night. So he says, listen, maybe God will come to me today. And uh, I'll let you know what he says. So anyway, he goes, he goes alone, quietly, without anybody bothering him.
Sure enough, the Pasuk says that he came, he appeared to Bil'am. Uh, so he tells God, I built the seven altars. Even though he's a liar, he didn't do anything. He actually told Balak to do it, but okay. And then he says, um, and then he says, uh, I brought a pot and an aisle on each Mizbeah. Now, that she comes along and says that he says, I built or I prepared seven Mizbehot. Or actually, he says, the seven. He said, that uh, the fathers of this nation also built seven Mizbechot. Abraham built four, as the Pasuk says, and Yitzhak also built um, uh, a few Mizbechot, and also Yaakov. So altogether between Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, they all built seven. So he said, they collectively built seven. I did it myself. But he was trying to you know, out to the uh, the Avot. Um, Again, yeah, it's, uh, Abraham built four Mizbeahs. Yitzhak built one. And uh, Yaakov Abinu built two. And therefore he's saying, and I built seven. So the Pasuk says, <laughs> God placed some words in Bilam's mouth. Because of the that would exalt him, not aligned with his own party. And I think it would, because having prayers are just correspondence. So, and he's standing by his korban. And him with all the people of Moab. And he starts his, um, his parable. So that's going to start blessing. We start with the first blessing. He said, Balak uh, hired me or led me from Aram. That's where he came from, Aram. Uh, he brought me from the mountains of the east. And what did he tell me? Come and curse for me, Yaakov. And come bring anger to the Jewish people. But Ma'ekov lo kaboed. How can I uh, curse when God does not want me to curse? Ma'ezom lo Hashem. And how can I get angry if God doesn't want me to get angry? Which means, and as she says, even when they're deserving of curse, they don't get cursed. When Shimon and Levi killed the whole town of Shechem. So it says they were worthy of getting cursed uh, because uh, Yaakov was very upset at them. He said, I'm angry that they killed the, the city. But he didn't curse them, he cursed their anger. So you see, even when they do something that's worthy of a curse, they somehow escape it. As it says in the Pasuk, before Yaakov Abinu died, he didn't curse Shimon and Levi for killing the city of Shechem. He cursed their anger. Remember when uh, 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 Yaakov Abinu went in in trickery to get the Berachot from Esav. So he should have got a curse. And what does the Pasuk say? He got blessed. So even when they deserve curses, they get blessed. 
So therefore, how am I gonna how am I gonna curse these people over here? That's what he was saying. There's no chance. Now she says that Bilam knew exactly the moment when God gets angry. It's uh, one split second. But as she tells us that all those during that week that Bilam was trying to do this, God did not get angry. So therefore the Pasuk says, Uma is om Hashem. How can I get angry? Hashem is not getting angry. And Bilam knew the moment, but the moment wasn't happening. Sunim is referring to, I see there, the heads of their families. And who's that? That's referring to the avot and the imahot. Sunim, I see the heads of the, of the rocks, which is the avot. And I see uh, them dwelling uh, by the mountains. That's referring to the imahot. In Am, the Badad, Yishkon, they're a nation that's alone. They have no connection to the Guim. And that's the Zikhut that the Avot instilled in us that we have to be separate from the Guim. So even Bil'am understands that the Jewish people are separate, they're different, they're alone. Mi mana afari akov from Esparet Roba Yisrael so he says, who's able to count the dust of Yaakov? Now, what is he talking about? Counting the dust of Yaakov. So that she says that the afar of Yaakov, even the dirt of Yaakov, they do mitzvot. For example, you're not allowed to plow a donkey and an ox together. So that's a mitzvah you do in the dirt. You're not allowed to plant, mix seeds. Or uh, they take the dirt of the ground for paraduma, they mix it in there. Or the waters of sota, they take the dirt from the ground. So he's saying, we can't even count all the mitzvot that the Jewish people just do in with dirt, let alone everything else. And then he says, uh, when I die, he said, I want to die a death of the, of the, of the righteous ones. Problem is he didn't want to live like that. Also, it says, "Mimana afari Yaakov et roba Israel." Roba is referring to the the seeds of Israel. And basically, we're saying that the Jewish people have a lot of children. Roba Israel, the the product of the of their relations. And then it says. I want to die like the righteous ones. Now, that's a beracha that came out of his mouth. So Balak is going to get angry and tell Balaam, what are you doing? I hide you to curse, and instead you're giving berachot. So therefore, he's going to take him to a different location. And uh, again, the same thing is going to happen. Balaam has no control of his mouth at this point. But Balaam is putting whatever he wants into the mouth of uh, Bil'am uh, to, to bless uh, the Jewish people. All right. It's uh, more or less another Aliyah. We shall remember the Shabbat Shalom. Amen.